Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQD in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. One of the beautiful things about the Bay Area is that our food scene is wildly diverse, both across all of the towns and cities, as well as in the way different communities sprout restaurants serving distinct foods. And yet, there are some ideas binding us together here. A political sensibility, a respect for culture, a love of fresh ingredients, and the connection we see and emphasize between the farm and the table. So today we've got KQED food editor Luke Sai and KQED food reporter Alan Cesaro. They're joining us to talk about Alan's profile series, Hella Hungry, on the Bay Area food makers shaping our culinary scene. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. What makes a restaurant distinctly Bay Area? This morning, we're joined by the KQED food crew, Luke Sai and Alan Cesaro, to talk about the series that Alan's created to spotlight the food makers in our community here. It's called Hella Hungry, and he's going to share some stories, and we'll talk with some of the people that he's profiled. Alan is a food reporter with KQED and also a poet and educator. You can grab his books of poetry, piñata theory, and notes from the eastern span of the Bay Bridge. Welcome, Alan. Buenos dias, Alexis. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for coming back. Uh, Luke Sai is the food editor for KQED on the arts and culture team. Encyclopedic knowledge of all things Bay Area food and beyond. Welcome back, Luke. Thanks so much, Alexis. It's been a minute. Yeah, it has. It has. Um, Alan, why don't you just talk to us a little bit about this series, how you conceived of it, and kind of how you're picking people to to profile here. Word. Thank you. Yeah. So Hello Hungry is a series that I launched last summer. Um, it's basically my love letter to Barrier people, the foods here. It's a regular column that I do um, weekly, bi-weekly, depending on the timing. And I basically just interview food makers in the region. Um, I had this idea of kind of creating this map or constellation for readers to know about what's happening in the food scene right now. Um, local people, typically with deep roots in the Bay, uh, either born and raised here or have a deep appreciation for our culture and represent the diversity of our region. Um, So I was actually new to food writing when I started this role. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped me because I was coming from this outside perspective. I was used to covering rap shows, doing art and photography exhibits. I was writing about athletes and sporting events. So I was kind of all over the Bay and, and in the mix in these different pockets. Um, and before that, I was actually a full-time high school teacher for for over a decade. And, and I say that because when I came into food, I was thinking about what would I want as somebody that wasn't coming from food coverage? Like what, what is something that is, is maybe a blind spot? Um, and something that I identified as a barrier person was I just wanted to hear from the food makers. I, I love the food they make, but I'm more interested in the people, the stories, the sort of 
textures and fabrics of, of these folks who are making our food and actually feeding us. So I kind of designed Hella Hungry to be this sort of giant microphone pass where I just go to different sort of underground spots, these sort of niche pop-ups to talk to these um, young, old, um, all sorts of culture makers in the scene. Um, I try to focus on, you know, a lot of immigrant folks, women, uh, people that I feel like, again, don't always get the spotlight in mainstream media. Um, and I kind of wanted to see if I tell all these stories um, and they tell their own stories, what 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 will we see, right? Like, how do they all weave together? Um, so that was kind of the genesis for 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 my column. And, and Luke and, and the editors at KQD, thankfully, were very open uh, to, to trusting me and my instincts in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just want to make that more visible to the barrier readership. Um, and, and another thing I wanted to mention is you know, the barrier has a deep legacy of innovation and ingenuity. And we often think of technology, but I often see it in the arts and in the food. So you had La Cocina Marketplace open up last year in, mm-hmm. in the Tenderloin. First woman-owned, mother's-only food hall in, in America. Um, no other city has anything like that. You have Hawaiian plate lunches, um, you know, started in San Francisco, essentially on the mainland when Hawaiian natives moved from the islands many decades ago and started selling these plate lunches uh, from Honolulu in their garages. Mm-hmm. And, and then you get it, this Hawaiian food scene that kind of starts from there. Um, I just read this week, actually, that one of the first, if not the first Cambodian restaurant in the country, opened in San Francisco in the 1980s. You have rappers opening vegan restaurants here. You have, mm-hmm. there's this dude in, in Oakland named Bob, um, who's a young black man, and he sells Jamaican oxtail birria and chicken gumbo tacos using his grandmother's recipe from Louisiana. And he rents a barbecue restaurant on Tuesday nights and shows Warriors games and (laughs) and feeds the community, right? Like to me, that's all hella Bay Area and it's super delicious and flavorful. And and I I just wanted to profile all these people and basically honor honor all these histories and and these folks, more importantly. Yeah, that's beautiful. Luke, you know, as the editor of this series, I mean, what, what was the broader question that you thought it would end up exploring? Yeah, you know, like I think in the beginning, it's like Alan described the sort of concept of it, um, of the series started off as something that seemed very simple to me, which was just like letting chefs and these other food makers sort of speak in their own voices. Um, but as I saw the series um, progress and evolve just sort of week by week and and just seeing the folks that Alan would pick to highlight and talk to, um, I definitely saw uh, certain patterns and themes um, emerge from that, um, you know, and so like so many of the folks that he he featured um, were first and second generation immigrants who were using food as a way to connect or, or reconnect um, to their culture. Um, he was highlighting all these different aspects of like Bay Area hustle culture, you know, whether it be people mm-hmm. doing these uh, informal pop-ups or um, cooking out of their homes or or, or selling out of their driveways, um, and it, it's just, I guess, just to just to piggyback on what Alan himself was saying earlier, um, I just sort of see all of these people that Alan is featuring as being sort of quintessentially Bay Area folks, um, <laughs> and yeah. um, people who are, who are, who are therefore, as a result of that, serving quintessentially Bay Area food, you know, whether it be in terms of like merging different cultural influences, like he was talking about, you know, like serving gumbo tacos out of a barbecue restaurant 
um, you know, sort of bring together these food traditions that are very deeply rooted in the Bay Area um, in specific ways, um, or just however else they do it, you know, just folks who who just love the Bay Area and are using food just as the way that they're expressing that. Yeah. We want to hear from you all this hour as well. I mean, what restaurant really embodies your Bay Area? We know there's a lot of ways to live in and eat around the Bay Area, from Chez Panisse to Casa Latina, Rad House to House of Curries, House of Prime Rib to House of Nanking. I could keep going, really, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. So for you, what's the place that really makes you say, Yes, this is home. This is the Bay right here. Uh, the number is 866-733-6786. One place for me, maybe Low Bar in downtown Oakland. It's kind of highbrow, lowbrow, Chicano spot there. Pretty pretty great food, uh, amazing drinks. Again, the number is 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's KQED Forum. And the email is uh, forum at kqed.org. Alan, before we uh, bring on some of the people that you've profiled, why don't you tell us about somebody uh, who who couldn't make it, um, like Mike Beatrice, owner of the Sideshow Kitchen in North Oakland. Yeah, so um, Sideshow, this was actually the first story when when Luke uh, passed me the ball, so to speak, um, and allowed me to do this series. I, I immediately went to Sideshow. Um, so Sideshow Kitchen, small family-run eatery, North Oakland. Um, Mike Beatrice actually is originally from East Boston. Um, and if you've never been to Boston, East Boston is this sort of peripheral neighborhood really outside of the, of the, the main activity in Boston. It's predominantly Latino and immigrant um, community, kind of reminds me of like a Fruitvale in Oakland, um, really dope spot. So Mike grew up there. He moves to the Bay a few decades ago, and he immediately fell at home in Oakland. Um, he's into car culture, so he would go to sideshows in the 90s and early thousands. He was listening to Mac Dre, Keep the Sneak, all the barrier classics and anthems. Um, and when he decided to launch his, his own food business, he wanted to basically pay homage to those experiences and influences. So he has menu items like the hyphy fried chicken sandwich, which honestly is one of my favorite things to eat in the whole Bay Area. So juicy, <laughs> tender. Um, he has hyphy sauce that he puts on it with a little spice. Uh, and then he had, he does a lot of like little subtle things like um, he has Tupac's first album, uh, Tupacalypse Now, which is actually, you know, recorded in Oakland, which I sometimes people forget Tupac started his career in Oakland. Um, and Mike has that original album sort of like hanging above the cash register, right? So those are little things that people like me are going to pick up on, right? He has like RBL, member, RBL Posse, who's a San Francisco rap group uh, from the 90s. He has their memorabilia inside. He has digital underground, right? Like he has a lot of these little things just kind of organically sprinkled in his space. And, and I'm going to pick up on those things, right? Like barrier people are going to see that and know that this guy is really just, you know, has a love for the Bay. So um, he, he couldn't make it today, but uh, he, he basically loves the Bay so much that he wants to like feed the people with that love. Um, and he does a lot of community events. He also runs a gym and he does a lot of things where he invites local folks to just kind of use the space in whatever way is, is useful to them. Yeah. And importantly, he also lives in the neighborhood, right? So it's not like he's commuting in from some far off place and sort of just vulturing the culture. Like he, he actually is, is a real part of the community that, that he uh, embraces. Yeah, oh, I love that. 
Um, I'm going to take a, a quick call here. Uh, mm-hmm. Fidel in El Granado, what's your restaurant that you feel like embodies your Bay Area? Oh, it is Fofu Kwok. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but we call it PPQ. And it's on uh, Terravel and, and uh, between 19th and 20th in San Francisco. And, and it's awesome Vietnamese, and it's been there for years. I used to go there in my 20s, and I'm in my 50s now. So it's got the best bun, shrimp, barbecue pork, imperial roll. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> I also love that. I mean, the place you've been going to for 30 years, right? I mean, that, that says home for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> PPQ uh, Vietnamese out on uh, Terravel. Um, thank you so much. And and Alexis. Yeah. Alexis, I want to just jump in because, you know, I, I love PPQ um, also. And one <laughs> of the things that they're known for, you know, in addition to serving the Vietnamese style roast crab um, and, uh, and, and they're known for their garlic noodles, you know, and, and both oh, of those yeah. things were essentially created in the Bay Area, like those are specific things that were created by Vietnamese immigrants um, and were born in the Bay Area and have become embraced by such a wide swath of people in the Bay Area, not just Vietnamese people, but but all different folks love garlic noodles. Um, you know, you probably I think that was that. our first ever uh, show with you, Luke, yeah. talking about <laughs> yeah. garlic noodles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, talk talk about a perfect uh, yeah. quintessential Bay Area place, you know, yeah, serving the quintessential Bay Area food. That's perfect. We're talking about KQED's Hella Hungry series about Bay Area food makers who shape the region with Luke Tsai, food editor at KQED Arts and Culture, and Alan Chazara, food reporter, also with KQED. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found you. How? you left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about KQED's Hella Hungry series about Bay Area food makers who help shape the region's culinary culture. Joined by Alan Cesaro, food reporter with KQED, who writes the series, and Luke Tsai, who's KQED's food editor, of course, and who edits the series. We're going to bring on some more guests in just a second, um, but I want to get to uh, Eva in Oakland with her sort of restaurant that embodies the Bay Area for her. Hi, good morning. Um, I just had to call in and say how much I love and appreciate Arizmendi Co-op on Lakeshore. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they do an incredible vegetarian pizza every day. is always different. And they also do amazing breads and pastries and lentil soup. And I feel like they just nourish our neighborhood and the, and the broader um, Grand Lake area. And I just, I just hope they're there forever. Yeah, I, I, I also love ours many. And I feel like a, a crucial thing, Luke Sai, right? Worker-owned as well, which I feel like is, is one of the things that in the Bay Area you can find these places that uh, have that different kind of ownership structure. Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, you could have a whole list of just uh, worker-owned uh, pizza, restaurant, bakeries specifically, <laughs> you know, is like a whole genre. Um, <laughs> but I think that is deeply rooted um, and that's a particular uh, aesthetic and, and way of doing things that I think really resonates um, with folks in the Bay Area. Yeah, you got your anarchist pizza shop uh, up on the college. <laughs> you have uh, you have cheese board in Berkeley. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's a fascinating part of our Bay Area food culture. Let's bring in uh, a couple more folks. We've got uh, Ranisha Johnson Hassan, who's the co-founder of the Vegan. Food Chefs, a food truck that offers Southern-inspired comfort foods. And Raima Calloway uh, joins her also, the other co-founder. Welcome. Hey, happy to be here. Good morning, yeah. everyone. Good so morning. Good to, so good to have you both with us. Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what, what your business does? All right. So this is Ranisha. Um, we are the Vegan Hood Chefs which is a community-based catering, vegan catering business and now food truck who inspires to increase the education and access of healthy vegan food. I think our whole purpose is bringing culture to vegan food. I know as being African-American young women who grew up in what, what is baby district, which is considered to be a food desert, a lot of conversation around what veganism looks like didn't necessarily include folks who look like us. And so mm. our grandmothers have raised us both uh, Rima and I were fortunate enough to be raised by our grandmothers who migrated from the South and they taught us how to cook. And so when you come and visit our food truck, a lot of our food is a representation of the recipes that are passed down from our grandmothers, but just shaped and cooked in a healthier um, and vegan way. Yeah. Hey, Rima, did either of your grandmothers get a chance to taste the food that you make? And what, what would really make of it if they did? Hey, this is Rima. Yes, definitely. Um, I know that when we started to train, our grandmothers were <laughs> trying along the way, to, but didn't really understand what it was to make vegan food. And so, yes, they did. My grandma actually got the opportunity to try the mac and cheese, which is a play off of her recipe. And everybody knows that I, I <laughs> the, uh, the mantra that if your, your mac and cheese is nasty, you're not to be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> I was able to uh, let the creator, uh, my grandma, uh, and she really enjoyed it. Although um, she didn't eat like everybody's vegan food, but whenever I made a new dish and wanted her to to taste it, she definitely ate it and she really enjoyed it. Um, Ranisha, what's one, what's a take uh, on some of the food that you love? Like what's another, I I hear you have these mushroom-based po' boys. Yes, that's actually a crowd favorite. Um, and you know, that's uh, po'boys are deeply rooted in Louisiana roots. And so we take like a traditional po'boy bread, which is like 
you know, made on a French bread. We got to, we use Acme, which is a local baker. Um, um, and then we toast the bread and then we have our like house garlic and chive sauce. Mm-hmm. Y'all can actually purchase that as well too, that we make with fresh garlic. And then we have a bed of lettuce, some diced tomatoes. And then we, um, we get mushrooms from Far West Fungi, which is also a local business as well that we deep fry and coat in coconut milk and also corn cornmeal. Um, and with our seasoned seasoned spices, we can't tell you the secret of spices. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it's, you know we also lather that. You get a choice of a different type of sauce. So we have three popular sauces, which is our garlic and chive. We also have a chipotle aioli or a hot honey that we make in house that you can get on top of the po' boy as oh, well. Sounds good. You know, Alan, this is also part of a a broader trend here in the Bay Area, too, where we do, I mean, kind of the center of the black vegan soul food world. Yeah, no, definitely. You have Soli Eats in in Oakland, which has been around for a long time. The Vegan Mob um, was one of my first introductions to this sort of fusion. Um, And I actually, I I came across um, the Vegan Hood Chefs through Erica Hazel, who's a Vallejo native, and she organizes one of the first vegan festivals in the country, which is shockingly in Berkeley, um, the Berserkly <laughs> Vegan Food Festival. Um, so there's definitely a culture here. And, and part of, again, of what I do is just meeting folks, right? And, and sort of one person leads to the next. Um, and Ranisha and Rima have, you know, introduced me to other folks in the scene, right? So I go check them out. Um, and it's kind of like this word of mouth culture that I, to me is also very Bay Area, like, you know, quote unquote, out the trunk, just being out there, talking to folks, they, they tell you something, they put you on something, and then you you explore that for yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. Rima, I wanted to ask you this question that we've been asking for, you know, listeners as well. Like, what's the restaurant for you, aside from your own, of course, what's the restaurant for you where you go like, this is my Bay Area, it's embodied in this place? So I, oh, so my favorite, I have a couple. So my favorite, all-time favorite vegan restaurant is Amsarbor. And it's ran similar like us. Uh, it's by Danny and her partner. And make uh, delicious uh, vegan food, but with the traditional Mexican style. Mm. Also have this banging sushi. Oh my gosh, they make this crab sushi roll that's delicious. And, you know, for ice cream, my favorite ice cream place is in Oakland. It's a black owned, black woman owned business. And it is called Kube ice cream. And I think they hit it right on the nail because sometimes when you have vegan ice cream and it's like made out of almond milk, it's a little chalky, but how mm-hmm. they do it the traditional way, I think they um they make it with like fresh coconuts and they oh my God, it's delicious. They have a key lime flavor that's to die for. And I also love a wild seed. But I really only like the corn cakes, not only like, but my favorite is the corn cakes and um, the mushroom pizza. And I just learned that it was seasonal. So, yeah. <laughs> did um, Ranisha, did she get it right? Are those the spots or do you have you have something else? Yeah, my all-time favorite is Am Sabor, hands down. But I uh, I would also add Malibu's Burgers. Malibu's Burger yeah. um, is the homie. That's one of our, our friends uh, from the Bay Area. And they... If you, you know, burgers, you can't go wrong with burgers, right? But they find a well to, way to make those patties like extremely moist and delicious. So shout out to them in Oakland, Malibu's Burgers for sure. Yeah. Oh, I just wanted uh, to say, oh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That, she just reminded me, uh, Casa Borica, which is a mother of our friend Darren at 
of Malibu Burgers. She makes these like Puerto Rican, we call them hot pockets, but they're called pastelones. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, they're really good, like to die for. And then we also have a favorite Ethiopian restaurant called Cafe Ramanat. Oh and yeah, we've had we've had the so owner Cafe Ramanat on. Yeah. Ooh, oh my gosh, we go there all the time. That's great. So I I'll just run them down real quick. That was Om Sabor. That's like O M and then like Sabor, like uh, flavor in Spanish S A B O R. Uh, Kube ice cream. That's got a little accent on the E. Wild Seed Malibu's Burgers Cafe in Kenya and Cafe Romanat. Um, and of course. We uh, we got to talk about vegan hood chefs, uh, Ranisha Johnson Hassan and Raima Calloway. Thank you so much. P- where do how do people find out where you all uh, are cooking or where can they find your food? Just Instagram, probably. Yes. So Instagram is the way that you can keep up with us. We also, if you go to our website, www.thevegahoodchefs.com, you can subscribe and we usually send out where we'll be or where our truck will be. Currently, right now, we we are just dropped the pre-orders for our first cookbook. So you can now come visit us on the truck, but also cook some of your favorite meals at home. And you can get that on our website as well, too. And that's called The Hoodest Winter, right? Yeah, The Hoodest Winter Ever. Yeah, The Hoodest Winter Ever. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you so much to both of you. Thank you for your food and your work in the community and also uh, for those amazing recommendations. I think there's a lot of people writing down on Sabor right now. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's go back to the phones just for a, a couple calls before we bring on our, our next guest. Cody in Oakland, what's your spot? Yes. Hi. Um, I live in Oakland now, but growing up in San Jose, there's a spot, um, that's been, it's family run since the early sixties. It's called falafels drive-in and it's my just favorite meal of all time. It's a green falafel balls and a pita with veggies and a banana shake. Oh, and a banana shake. Yeah, that's the combo. They have other shakes, but I've only ever had the banana. And they have other dishes, but I've only ever had the falafel. It's my favorite falafel in the world. Oh, that's beautiful. All right, that's Falafel Drive-In? Is that what it's called? Falafel Drive-In. Falafel's Drive-In on San Carlos. On San Carlos and San Jose. Um, That's beautiful. All right, let's uh, one more, one more. Uh, Bob in San Francisco. Uh, Hi, I was calling in about Nopa Mm -hmm. uh, on Divisadero, and... What I like about Nopa is that it's it's really part of the community. It's brought farmers to the restaurant and restaurant workers to the farms. It uses the farmers market. It supports community organizations like Food Runners. Uh, everything is seasonal, and when you walk in, you just see the diversity of all of San Francisco among its staff, and you have a sense that. You're joining a family for for a meal, and uh, so I think it's pretty special. Yeah, that's beautiful, Bob. Thank you, thank you so much. I love all those things about Nopa, but what I really love about Nopa is the burger, which I <laughs> I think uh, if you've had it out there, uh, you you know why it is an amazing, amazing burger. Um, Alan or Luke, um, do you want to talk about any of those uh, restaurants that have come up before we uh, we go? Alan, maybe do you want you want to go? Yeah, I just wanted to actually say Nopa has um, they helped to launch one of my favorite um, panaderas in San Francisco, Norte 54, Norte 54, and she started out by having a pop up. As that caller just said, they they're really open to having food makers come in and sort of utilize their space. And now she has her her own spots that she's opened up uh, beyond Nopa. Um, so I just wanted to shout out um, Raquel Goldman is her name. She makes uh, pan dulce in the bay. Mm. And what was the name of the uh, of the panaderia again? 
uh, Norte 54, which yeah. is a uh, Norte, N-O-R-T-E 54. Yeah, beautiful. Um, Luke? No, I, I'm, <clears throat> I, I just, I love drive-ins. Um, and, and I've been <laughs> planning to, to hit up, I've, I've heard of, but haven't yet gone to um, falafel drive-in. So I've got that written down um, as a reminder now. And I love that people just have their very specific order. <laughs> yeah, know? right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually, I wouldn't mind a KQED food falafel roundup bracket throwdown because I, I mean, falafel for me is one of those foods that is either like transcendent and amazing or so bad. You know, mm. and I, I, I oftentimes don't know where to go for the for the former and get the latter. Um, let's bring on our next guest. Uh, Flor Martinez Zaragoza is a farm worker rights advocate, a nonprofit leader, uh, and she runs an extremely popular Instagram account called Flower in Spanish. Welcome, Flor. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Um, Luke, can you tell us a little bit about how you first heard about Flor and her work? Sure. Um, I, you know, I was writing this story about a farm worker pro- protest that um, some folks may remember from earlier um, this past summer. Um, it was this action that was organized by the United Farm Workers, where um, they had farm wor- a group of farm workers march all the way from Southern California, um, some 335 miles, all the way up to Sacramento. Uh, to demand that Governor Newsom sign this bill um, that would expand um, far, farm worker union voting rights. Um, mm-hmm. And and that the, the protest was eventually successful because he did sign the bill. And so I wrote this story that was just about how there were a handful of Bay Area chefs who had driven out to feed the marchers kind of in support of this cause. Um, and then everyone I spoke to, all, all these chefs were like, oh, you should talk to Floor. <laughs> um, she's this really well-known activist and influencer who's been coming out to support the cause. And um, I didn't end up interviewing her for my story, but I think that particular combination of things um, just really stuck with yeah. me. I think like this idea of um, a social media influencer using their platform to advocate for something like farm workers' rights um, yeah. or Im- immigrant rights um, was just really far outside of what I had previously associated with being an influencer or what that could entail. Um, and then, you know, coincidentally, you know, I wrote the story, we ran the story, um, and then, you know, someone told me like, oh, the lead photo that you ran with it, oh, that's Floor in that, in uh. that photo. Um, so it was just very fortuitous in that way. Um, and then so when I found out that she was actually based in the Bay Area, down in the San Jose area, I just um, told Alan about her. And I was like, hey, I think this would be a really interesting person for you to talk to for your series. Yeah. Um, Flor, why don't you tell us a little bit about your your connection to um, work in the fields and, and farm work and how you came by, how, how you came into this kind of activism? Yeah, so um, I came to the U.S. when I was three years old, so I grew up, you know, in the whole, you know, immigrant household, and that really shaped who I am today. I mean, I got to experience doing farm work when I was 14, 15 years old in, like, the Gilroy, Watsonville, Santa Cruz area, and that really gave me an insight at how the farm workers are being treated and the things they experience. Um, I got to experience that firsthand, and that was pretty that was that was interesting. So when the fires started in in California in 2020, 
Um, and there was fire smoke in the air. There was a pandemic going on and there was heat waves and all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. And I remember going to my social media and just expressing my frustration for the obstacles that these farm workers had to face during the time. And, you know, with the historic low wages you know terrible working conditions and it was just like you know it was like a ticket time mom and I went to my socials and I post after post I was just sharing um awareness and all this information that most people didn't know about farm workers and boom before you know it you know yeah I went viral and we were able to raise over uh half a million dollars and that's how the nonprofit started and we're still doing the great work today and you know continuing the the fight you know, when you mention all those places that, you know, are enduring the, the worst consequences of climate change, you know, the, the fires. Now, those same places that you just listed, like Watsonville, right, there's been a ton of flooding there. And I was yeah. just thinking as you were talking that I actually haven't seen a lot of coverage about what's happened to the farm workers there who are living in sort of really tough housing, you can imagine, are bearing the brunt of a lot of this rain and flooding. Oh, yeah. One of the, the most difficult situations for farm workers is their housing. That's, that's a pretty big deal. Um so yeah, I can only imagine what's going on over there. And they're actually still working through the storm. If you go on TikTok, you're able to see videos of the farm workers out there in the mud, you know, mm-hmm. they're flooded fields and they're still out there, you know, making sure that we have food on our table during these days and all through the year. Yeah. We're talking about KQED's Hella Hungry series about Bay Area food makers who help shape the region's culinary culture. We've got one of the people that Alan Cesaro, food reporter with KQED, profiled on the line right now, Flor Martinez Zaragoza. You can find her Instagram account, Flower in Spanish. We're also joined by Luke Sai, editor of the series and food editor overall for KQED. And earlier in this uh, hour, we were joined by Renisha Johnson-Hassan from the Vegan Hood Chefs, as well as her partner in that business, Raima Calloway. They're a food truck that offers Southern-inspired vegan comfort foods, and they've got a new cookbook out called The Hoodest Winter Ever. We're also taking your phone calls about what restaurant embodies your Bay Area. We know there are a lot of ways to live and eat around the Bay, and we want to know the place that says to you, like, this is home. Numbers 866-733-6786. A lot of people on the line, so if you can't get through there, try Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're KQED Forum, or of course you can email us. It's forum at kqed.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We are talking about KQED's Hella Hungry series about Bay Area food makers help shape the region's culinary culture. 
Got the lead writer for that series, Alan Cesaro, food reporter at KQED, and Luke Sai, food editor here as well. Right now we're joined by Flor Martinez Zaragoza, who's a farm worker, rights advocate, nonprofit leader, and has an extremely popular Instagram account, Flower in Spanish. Flor, uh, before we let you go, I want to hear about your food business, um, in part because I hear you're going to have some chiles, maybe, which are, you know, there there are places where you can get find good ones around. Um, what are what's this business going to be? Yeah, so I know I let you in on this little secret a little bit ago, but <laughs> not much um, of a secret anymore, Flo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I just you know want to be able to kind of be a leading example of what it's like to be able, you know to treat your workers properly, your farm workers properly. So it would start you know from the, the foundation from the beginning, uh, from the seed, right? And then you know it would be a whole business based on uh, dried chilies and spices, things that we see in our traditional households. Um, and, but the thing would be, you know, it would be like women led, you know, not just Latina indigena led, but women led. Cause if you look in our stores now, there's a lot of man led, you know, like uh, El Guapo, El Mexicano. If you look at those brands and um, I'm like, well, the women are the ones in the kitchen making up the birria, the menudo and all these traditional dishes. Um, and I just wanted to kind of put that um, in a perspective and into a, a business. And I do want to talk to you about that a little bit more. Um, in the future, but I did yeah. want to mention a little bit um, of what the farm workers have to do with the food industry before mm-hmm. I go. Yeah. And I just think it's incredibly important to mention that, you know, farm workers can't afford the food that, you know, they break their back picky. And they can only imagine or dream about being able to afford eating out at a nice restaurant with their families. And it's also important to note that without farm workers, there is no food industry. Um, I don't know if you guys remember during the pandemic, there was all sorts of shortages on stuff, but there was always product for the uh, for the food industry to sell, um, which is food. And in return, it helped it helped keep so many people employed, and it kept the restaurant businesses open. And you know, as a matter of fact, kept the whole food industry and open. And you're talking about a whole network of people depending on these people that are you know pretty much being exploited um, modern day. And I just think it's really important for restaurants to not just highlight the farmers and the companies where they source their product, but to actually highlight the actual farm workers themselves. Mm-hmm. And you know, also important for restaurants and um, owners um, to not just give more support, but be able to provide resources and support where they can, to be able to share campaigns and drives, collection, fundraising efforts where they can, um, because there's, uh, there's an obvious disparities that you should be addressed. And yeah, um, I don't know. I feel like the restaurant industry could do better at these things, uh, even just simple things, like I said, mentioning getting the word out yeah. and are showing up for efforts, you know, like the bill that you mentioned, um, AB 2183, that helps, you know, get farm workers better union rights. And I just, you know, also wanted to shout out La Marcha in Berkeley because the chef there, Chef Sir, she actually came out during the march and fed all the marchers multiple times throughout the march and stayed during the vigil uh, until we got the bill signed. That's beautiful. Um, that was uh, La Marcha in Berkeley, which um, I think people uh, know where that is. Um, it's uh, it's right by university there. Um, you know, uh, Flor, thank you so much for this, and, and thanks for shouting out um, one of those restaurants that you love, and for the the work that you're doing for farm workers, uh, you know, here here in California. That's Flor Martinez Zaragoza. She's a farm worker rights advocate, a nonprofit leader, and she you gotta check out her Instagram account if you're interested in these issues, um, or even if you're not, you should you, you should follow it anyway and get interested. Uh, that account is at Flower, like F L O W E E R in Spanish. Flor Martinez Zaragoza, thank you so much for joining us.
Thank you for having me. Um, let's go back to the phones before we bring on our last guest. Uh, Nick in San Jose, welcome. Hey, uh, this feels like an incredibly safe answer, but <laughs> a good mission-style burrito. Yes. See that from, like, El Farlito, which I'm lucky enough to have one down here in San Jose, or La Cancun, or out in Santa Cruz, Taqueria, Santa Cruz. Like, it, it's, I've struggled in my travels to find a mission-style burrito as good as the ones here. Yeah. So yeah, that absolutely. Tastes like home. Yeah. Nick, thank you so Nick, so much uh, for that. I mean, that is, you know, Alan, this is one of the things that, you know, this is, it almost is like so much a part of barrier food culture um, that it feels like we don't even talk about it anymore. That's true. Yeah. And I think again, um, you know, there's, there's so much in the Bay to cover, which is part of the beauty of, of, of living here and, and being from here and sort of being in a position like I am as a food reporter. Um, and, and a lot of these places have been dope. And I've been actually taking notes on what callers are saying. So I'm going to check some of these out myself. Um, but yeah, I think part of what uh, what I'm trying to do with this series is to find the sort of, you know, the Bears is a very alternative place. So I try to look in these alternative places. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Florida is a good example of somebody who's really literally on the ground in the soil, right? Um, so from top to bottom, there's plenty plenty to eat. Um, and it's important to just stay aware of those larger issues too, like like Floyd had mentioned, which I, I think that's also a very barrier thing, right? Like sort of yeah. the activist mentality, but and and not in a in a in a sort of fake way, but like actually genuinely being involved in the community and and speaking out for others, right? So I think food in the bay can do that for sure. Um, got some uh, great comments um, coming in too. Uh, one listener tweets, for me, the home aspect of barrier dining isn't about any one restaurant or cuisine, but about having an embarrassment of top-notch options. If I'm in the mood for something as specific as vegan, gluten-free, Ethiopian, I have multiple delicious options in Berkeley and Oakland alone. Another listener writes, when I was a student at UCSF, I loved going to Arts Cafe in the Inner Sunset. I'm happy to see they're still there slinging hash brown bulgogi sandwiches, which is bulgogi and onion sandwiches between two thin, crispy sheets of hash browns. They have classic American diner breakfast food and more traditional Korean dishes as well. I love the melting spot pot spirit of this restaurant and the juxtaposition of seeing things like bibimbap served in this tiny, seemingly old-school American diner environment. Another listener writes, Bavika's Vegetarian in Sunnyvale on El Camino Real. Been here for more than 20 years. Another listener shouts out Good Karma which uh, in San Jose, which started as a vegan deli. Then it became the leading edge of the craft beer scene. Still has vegan food, but most people go for the beer and discover uh, the food as a bonus. Another listener tweets, Rodney Worth, a big name in Danville and Walnut Creek um, restaurant scene. Let's bring in um, our, our last uh, guest. Jug is the co-founder of Smacks, an East Bay pop-up and test kitchen. Welcome. Hello. What's up, man? Yeah. Hey, doing well. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Jug, why don't you, uh, well, Alan, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you learned about Smacks and Jug? Yeah, my guy, Jug, thank you for hopping on. Um, so going back to my previous comments, I I've actually encountered them organically. I was at a, at a rap show in District 6, uh, San Francisco, listening to RBL Posse on stage. Stunamental 2 was there. And I took a little break to get some food. And one of the um, sort of pop-ups that were, that were serving was uh, Smacks, S-M-A-X. Um, and they had these Hawaiian sandwich plates and, and these sort of fusion things that I was into. 
Never heard of them. Ate their food. Super bomb. Went back to the show. Literally a few days later, one of my friends um, who, who's a clothing maker in the Bay Area um, had mentioned Jug and Smacks again. So to me, those, those, are, those are always signs that this is something that I should <laughs> pursue, right? Just trusting yeah. my things here. Hey, Jug, uh, did you, is it the, did you hear about the chopped cheese? That's what I've heard about. Yeah, yeah. We've been pushing the chopped cheese recently, but we've tried a ton of different stuff. I think when Alan came to one of our pop-ups, we had a bunch of different fusion dishes, like an okonomiyaki, Hawaiian style. We had a Hawaiian style sandwich and um, a lot of other Asian dishes. But recently we're doing a uh, chopped cheese because, you know, we we love bringing different things to to the Bay Area. This is where I'm from. And uh, and that was just one vehicle that I would love to like pursue. What, what actually is a chopped cheese for people? Yeah, so we did. Uh, it is inspired by like the New York bodega sandwiches. So we went to New York a lot to try these chopped cheeses. And we wanted something to eat here in the Bay because I just love that sandwich so much. And um, and yeah, we just it's like a chopped up cheeseburger. We put in our own uh, own seasonings. We mix in the seasonings in the meat. We melt cheese over the top and we put it on a soft French roll. So it's it's a little bit different than a traditional cheeseburger, and we yeah. serve that at all our parties and events. I also uh, I love the idea of doing that kind of research. You're like, yeah, we had to go to New York, <laughs> go to these different bodegas, try their uh, try their chopped cheeses. Um, what about uh, we need to ask you this? There's a debate around uh, our own Penn Darvis Harsha has gotten involved in it. Whether you can say a food slaps or not, what's your what's your take? Food does not slap by any means. <laughs> I will stand on that hill. I think it's it's it speaks to where the slang comes from. It's paying respects of where where this culture comes from, which is the Bay Area. And I think even outside of the Bay Area, a lot of people on the East Coast say food slaps all the time. I was hearing that all the time in New York, but I felt like I had to take a stand because it, it comes from the Bay and it's just paying respects to it. You know. Got it. Got it. Um, how about, um, give us one other restaurant aside from your own that you feel like this is like Bay area home for you. Oh man. It's, it's hard to say. I think for us, we're huge fans of, of mom and pop shops. So like, like you mentioned arts cafe, that's, that's one that's like, that holds up their community. They build it. So, uh, one that we take a lot of inspiration from is lucky three, seven in Fruitvale. Mm -hmm. um they, they've been really good they they watch out for their community and it's very community based but it's also very filling and very tasty food and and it's just good food by itself but yeah. the layer of community on top of it and the community they build is really inspirational to us yeah i love that jug co-founder of smacks and east bay pop-up and test kitchen how do people uh, keep up with you if they want to figure out you know where you where you're going to be yeah, um, Instagram is the best. You can find us at, at your local parties, events, community events. Uh, we do SF all the way down to um, San Jose and, of course, the East Bay. But you can follow us at that underscore smacks on Instagram, and you could just keep up with what we're doing there. And that's S-M-A-X just for everyone. Hey, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. Let's, uh, let's try and speed through a few more calls here of, of places that uh, feel like home for folks, restaurants. Yeah. Uh, Isabella in Berkeley, welcome. Hello, good morning. What's your spot? Um, my spot, it's a, technically it's all over the Bay Area, but it's Zachary's Pizza. Mm -hmm. They have really good deep dish pizza. Yeah. It's a I'm, family 
favorite of ours, and we always get the deep dish barbecue chicken pizza. Yeah. Yeah, Zachary's, man. Um, you know, Alan, I, I'm curious how you approach, as a food critic, a place like Zachary's, which basically in every neighborhood where it is, like I'm thinking about the like the Rockridge one that's by the Trader Joe's. Like, every single day, that place is packed with people. It is beloved by the neighbors there. It is like, it, pe- people love that place. How do you talk about that as part of the Bay Area food scene? Because it's not like... Because it's been around, it's not like you're writing it up as a new thing, but they just do what they do, and they do it within this community just, you know, day after day. No, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, I went to UC Berkeley as an undergrad, so I'm very familiar with Zachary's and, and the sort of goodness there. Um, I, th- there's a few spots in the Bay Area that have sort of become these institutional uh, food um, outlets, and, and I'm more than happy for them, not hate on them whatsoever. Um, and, and I think, again, I, I try to, I understand that they already have become a fixture in the community. Um, and knowing that, um, part of my role is to, to tell other people like, hey, there's, there's mm-hmm. other, you know, food makers as well. Um, so I, I trust that other folks are talking about Zachary's and going to Zachary's as they should. Um, and, and my personal philosophy as a food writer is to sort of meet Find people. the new. Yeah. Exactly, right? Like yeah. Jug. Um, Ranisha, uh, Flor, all of these folks who are involved in different ways that, that aren't always food makers, to be honest. Like, Jug is a humble dude. He's also a DJ by night. Um, he was just literally ice climbing on a mountain in, <laughs> in, I think, in Oregon a few days ago before he hopped onto this call. When we reached out to him for this show, he was out of reception. So, yeah, um, yeah. like, th- to me, again, that's a very, very thing to have all these different side hustles yeah. and be doing it all. So, um, I, I like to sort of point folks in that direction yeah. because I, I know and trust that Zachary's is probably already in many people's yeah, yeah. food market. Um, Luke Sai, we have another caller, Levi in Palo Alto, who wants to um, talk some trash about falafel. <laughs> uh, Levi, what's your uh, falafel place? Hey there. Uh, no, no hate against falafel drive-in. I love it too, but by far my favorite one is falafel stop in Sunnyvale. Um, when I moved to the Bay Area five years ago, uh, I came here with only a bike, no car, and was getting around by foot and bike only. And I was living right off of uh, Sunnyville, Saratoga Road uh, over there in the area, and I just smelled the, the, the fresh pita and uh, saw the line out the door every day and stopped in, and it, it has been a, a mainstay uh, I go there as often as I can. That's beautiful. All right, Levi in Palo Alto with a uh, falafel stop. Um, have I convinced you yet, Luke, that you should do a falafel thing? It it's not a bad idea. <laughs> it's not a bad idea at all. Um, I just want you know I just wanted to uh, respond also to to what you guys were talking about about these sort of like long time long time Bay Area institutions, and I think it's absolutely true that there are places that folks already know about, you know, and, and, you know, so it's like house of prime rib people know about house of prime rib. You already cannot get a reservation at house of prime rib um, (laughs) without, you know, booking six months in advance and, you know, giving up your firstborn child. (laughs) Um, But um, at the same time, I think sometimes there's like really interesting stories about some of these institutions um, too. And, you know, go back to garlic noodles, like Tat Long, is this restaurant that has been around forever, you know, but like, I didn't know the history of that, you know, I didn't know the history of garlic noodles. And that, that turned out to be this 
um, deep Bay Area thing that allowed me to find out about a lot of these new businesses who also grew up going to that restaurant, drew inspiration from it and started doing their own side hustle, started doing their own version of garlic noodles. Um, So I think um, that's also a really beautiful thing about the Bay Area, uh, different ways where the younger generation of of chefs and these business owners uh, kind of pay homage to um, and also continue to evolve um, some of these foods and dishes that we all love. That's beautiful. Man, we have uh, a ton of other recommendations. We have also have some great callers who are unfortunately going to be stranded on on base there. I'm I'm sorry, y'all. Um, here are a couple of the uh, other shout-outs from the comments. One listener wants to shout-out Julian's or Julian's in Martinez on the outskirts near the refinery on Pacheco Avenue. A lovely birria tacos and uh, Mexican omelet. Um, David writes, we always crave San Francisco dim sum whenever we go on vacation. Nowadays, it's East Ocean, uh, let's see, Dragon Bow in San Francisco or East Ocean Hong Kong in Emeryville, but we miss these other places. I have to say, East Ocean Hong Kong in Emeryville is one of those places where you see the fa- the parade of families going in there is one of the most beautiful things to watch in the in the Bay Area. Um, and another listener writes, I grew up in Fremont, and the food that screams Southeast Bay to me is the Afghan food in Fremont. My favorite is De Afghanan on Fremont Boulevard. They have a sit-down restaurant and a takeout walk-up space right next door. Growing up, my family would often get their combo meals to go, which include succulent, juicy, perfectly seasoned and grilled chicken and beef kebab over a bed of rice paired with a chickpea garnish and a slice of Afghan bread, which is similar to naan. I live in Redwood City now and look forward to visiting my family over the weekend because it's also an excuse to pick up some of that food for myself. We have been talking about KQED's Hella Hungry series. Hopefully you're feeling that way now. It's about Bay Area food makers, written by Alan Cesaro, food writer at KQED. Thanks so much for joining us, Alan. Thank you. I had so much fun. Gracias. I've also been joined by Luke Sai, who's the food editor at KQED. Thank you so much, Luke. Thanks, Alexis. Always a pleasure. And earlier we were joined by Ranisha Johnson, Hassan of Vegan Hood Chefs, and Raima Calloway, also of the Vegan Hood Chefs. Also, Flor Martinez Zaragoza, who's a farm worker rights advocate, and Jug, co-founder of Smacks and East Bay Pop-Up and Test Kitchen. Spend a packed hour. This is Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Thanks for all your recommendations. Stay tuned for another hour ahead. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. 
Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.